All right, Sixer Nation, welcome on in to Philly Take with RB. And today we have a special edition of the show, a special guest joining us here. The Sixers longtime play-by-play announcer, 27 years. The guy who's called over 2,100 Sixer games. The former voice, an iconic voice in this city. The one and only Mark Zumoff. Mark, it is an honor to have you on the show, man. Thank you for joining. Back at you, RB. Thanks so much for having me. I'm excited to be here. I really appreciate this, man. And what a better time, you know, that one day to go, less than 24 hours, Sixers and Nets lining up, this team getting ready to embark on another playoff journey. We'll definitely hit on that. Uh, but we have to talk about Mark Zumoff. It has been, what, two years since you decided to uh, hang it up. And man, a lot of people miss hearing your voice on a consistent basis. So, you know, tell us about what you've been up to. I, I understand you're teaching now. Obviously, you just dropped the new show. And that will be linked down in the description, by the way. So definitely check it out. I know you dropped a couple episodes, but what has Mark Zumoff been up to in retirement? Where, where have you been? Well, you're right. I do teach. I teach at my alma mater, Temple University, and I am also the associate director of the Claire Smith Center for Sports Media there. And that keeps me very busy. I also have a charity golf outing, and that's coming up on june 5th and i'm the chairman of it so as you could imagine there's a lot of fundraising and loose ends to be tied up and logistical things to take up take care of but that is a labor of love for me and then this podcast which has been uh, a year in the making and we're very pleased to bring it to sixers fans everywhere and basically this has a as you might imagine a sixers theme to it in that we have current and former players, coaches, front office folks, and people who are just Sixer fans. Now, you have to have some level of notoriety. You could be an entertainer. You could be successful in business. But something about you says you are a 76ers fan. And so you're going to see your share of current and former players, coaches, and people who you've heard of and maybe some people who you haven't heard of, but they've really made a substantial mark in other areas. Oh, that's incredible, man. It's good to see you back in general, you know, just in the game uh, and the content creation game. I am wondering, though, was there a point that you reached in 2021 where you knew like, OK, this is it. I'm hanging it up. I'm wrapping it up after the season. Did that come a year in advance? Did you say, all right, this is my last go no matter what or, or was there a certain moment uh, that really just hit you like okay maybe maybe it's time RB it really was a gradual thing I signed a three-year contract before I retired and my wife and I talked about it and we said this could very well be the last contract let's take it year by year and see so after the first year I think we pretty well knew that that was going to be it so I had two years to sort of figure it out and then at the beginning of the final season, I began to talk with certain key people at NBC Sports Philadelphia and the 76ers. We pretty much kept it quiet. And then we planned a retirement announcement. They were very considerate. They took my feelings into consideration. I decided to release it in the form of a letter to the fans. That way I could tell them what they meant to me. 
And uh, even now, I just did a Reddit, and and the love was was awesome. A lot of people love Kate, as do I, but uh, there are a lot of folks who had some really nice things to say, and it really gave me a nice feeling. So, yeah, it was basically a three-year process, and I have to say that I'm really happy in retirement, and I like now just being a fan like everybody else. Do you, do you still watch the team the same way? Uh, do you ever find yourself jumping off the couch and, and going crazy? What is it like? How is it different now You know, from putting on the headset to just being a casual fan of watching the game? First of all, my fandom probably goes back longer than most of your listeners, if not all of them. I've been a fan since the team moved from Syracuse back in 1963. I actually went to a Sixers game the first year that the team was in Philadelphia. So I've lived and died a thousand deaths with the team as a fan. As you mentioned, I did over 2,100 games as a broadcaster. And even before that, I spent 13 years as the halftime host. And so when it becomes a vocation, you get so involved that when you step away, I think you do so in a way that makes room for other things that you would like to be able to do in what I might call the final quarter of my life. And you don't watch the games or follow the team nearly as closely as you do when you follow them professionally. So, yes, I do pay attention. I read the articles. I check the box score. I don't watch every game. In fact, um, I think you could count on one hand where I actually sat and watched an entire game this year. But I still feel like I know enough about the team to be able to comment on them. And certainly, uh, my heart will always be with the Sixers of all the Philly teams, and I root for all of them. Uh, they'll always be number one in my heart. Well, I think that's interesting. And, you know, you talk about long endured success. You know, you touch so many lives. I mean, you touch mine personally and, you know, just listening to you call games, your passion. I mean, how electrifying it was. Um, it, it was something special. And, you know, I, I do think it's interesting at one time, you know, you kind of have to move on, right? Like you kind of cemented your legacy and now you want to do uh, different things as well. But the one thing that I think always stays are some of the famous calls, are some of the famous moments. Um, I mean, I, I could go down the list. There's too many. We'd be here for hours. But I want to go back to a couple of my favorites, really my favorite and my one of my favorite calls of yours, and, and see if you kind of, you know, remember what it was like in that moment. But I think the most underrated call is the hold on, we're coming in for a landing, lock all windows and doors. I mean, you know, high pressure situation late in the game. I've even used it myself because it's just it's it captures the moment. Um, and I guess really my question would be, how did that come about? Like, did it slip off the tongue and then, OK, it sticks? Is that how your famous calls are? Do they come up beforehand? Do you think about these things or are you just that good of a natural in the moment and it just sticks and, and you never look back? Let me give you first a little bit of background. As mentioned earlier, I spent close to 13 years as the halftime host. And a large part of that was doing halftime features. So for the uninitiated, you're doing a lot of writing, scripting, editing, of course, before you air the final product. And so all the writing that I'd done all those years, and some people might even remember, I did a lot of uh, anchoring for the old Prism TV, doing sports shows and whatnot. And all the writing really helped me to feel comfortable with crafting phrases and being a lot more comfortable with the English language. And so 
when you become a TV play-by-play announcer as opposed to radio, uh, words become significant in that you don't want to describe what people can already see. And so what you try to do as the TV play-by-play guy as opposed to the radio announcer is to embellish what people can already see. And so uh, I began to come up with catchphrases and uh, unmistakably garbage into goal was my very first. And I remember, in fact, that's the only phrase where I actually remember the origin of it. Uh, It was uh, late 1990s, early 2000s. George Lynch, who played for the 2001 team that went to the finals with Allen Iverson, uh, got a rebound, an offensive rebound and put it back in, I'd become, um, as a writer, comfortable with alliterations, and I just said, there's George Lynch turning garbage into gold, and that's how that happened. Uh, All the others, RB, were spontaneous, but just because I thought about it at that moment doesn't necessarily mean that I said it. So some of them uh, I said, and they were popular with fans. Some of them I said, and I would look, you know, at the color analyst next to me, or I would think to myself, "Eh, it's not going to fly and I'm not going to use it again, or I'll try something for a week or so and and that won't work, or I'll try something and it will work. So um, it it was an experimental thing, but make no mistake, it was spontaneous. There was never anything scripted and certainly nothing that I ever thought of beforehand. I think that's just amazing. You know, as someone who, you know, calls games on YouTube and kind of goes through the whole experience uh, with a lot of Sixer fans, I think one thing that separates you, for example, in my lifetime is you can make somebody really jump off their couch. You can make, mm. you know, somebody just light up and brighten up their day with one of your calls. And to me, in my personal opinion, sometimes people either have that or they don't. You know, when I hear one of your big, yes, like I'm jumping five feet in the air. And the fact that you kind of just said, you know, you don't really rehearse those type of things. Uh, It it just shows your natural talent. Um, And I want to go back to one of my favorite calls. It gives me chills every time. And I want to see if you kind of remember the moment. Um, Jimmy Butler had just arrived in town. And and short after, Sixers and Hornets are are going up against each other. And he hits a game winner. He had a couple that year. But, uh, you know, everybody was so happy. It felt like, okay, this is the first time the Sixers are finally making that all-in move. You know, and, and the whole city was polarized. And he hits that game winner. And you sit there and and you say yes, and then you say Butler buries the three, and then it goes Jimmy Butler, you are a seventy sixer, and <laughs> it reminded me so much of my favorite Phillies call ever because I'm you know a big Harry Callis guy, and when he said Chase Utley, you are the man, uh, that Jimmy Butler call it it always sticks with me. Like, what was that moment like? I'm sure you were losing it, but everything around the Sixers at that time was just so electrifying. And when Butler hit that shot, it was like, okay, this team is here. Butler is here. And it's like, you just encapsulated that moment so perfectly. Thank you, RB for the memories. Uh, It's vivid. Of course, the game at Charlotte, it was crazy. And uh, I'm not sure if it was overtime or not where all this happened. And I remember uh, the previous possession, I think Butler made a, tremendous defensive play, blocked the shot, kept it in bounds, and the Sixers were able to possess the ball. But uh, I I just remember when Butler hit the three and saying exactly what you just said, and then on my way to say, Jimmy Butler, and, you know, for a split second, I'm thinking, you are the man. But to me, 
the pervading thought for the moment was, here's a guy who's brand new. And the question is, will he fit into the team? And the answer, I think, that night became, yes, Jimmy Butler, you fit in. You are a 76er. And so I guess that's why I crafted the call the way I did. Man, what what a call. And, and you've been a part of so many, you know, 27 years. You've watched the careers of Allen Iverson and Joel Embiid and all these guys coming up. And, uh, man, there's just been some crazy runs. But obviously the guy in question now, you know, kind of going forward to the modern Sixers. And, and you've watched his almost his entire career, Joel Embiid. Uh, before I ask you about the MVP thing, like just you knowing him up close, being around the team, you know, knowing Joel as a guy, did you ever expect that he would get to this point? A couple years ago, I'm sitting there watching him and I'm saying, this is peak Embiid. Like he is here. And the last couple years, I know you said you don't watch them as, you know, in depth, but I'm sure you keep up with the team. Like, he has reached a different level. I don't know if I've ever seen a center with this type of skill set. And, you know, after sitting out the first couple of years and the ownership issues and the teammate issues, like we could go down the list, down the list. It's like everything fueled Joel Embiid. And I just want to get your opinion on just how ecstatic he has been uh, throughout his career. I will tell you that in the first two years that you mentioned when he wasn't playing, there were a select few of us connected with the club who had the opportunity to watch him. <clears throat> I guess I could call it private workouts, but really what they were, they were workouts where certainly no fans and no press was allowed. And so we got to see his development that way and pity the poor assistant coaches and players and whatnot who had to play against him as he was getting healthy and his body was getting bigger and his skill set was rapidly improving because as we watched him work out and working himself into a lather in the gym, we would kind of look at each other and say, dude's going to be special. I mean, he is going to be dominant. So from that perspective, I think we, we knew that he would be a really good, if not great player, but to his credit, he seems to come back every year and, I don't think he's ever identified double teams any better. His ability now to play out on the floor certainly eliminates a lot of the uh, opportunities for the defense to double team him and cause a turnover. And not only is he doing just about anything he wants to do on a basketball floor, but he's making big, important plays down the stretch, not only offensively, but defensively as well. I can only hope now, even though the Sixers did not have the best record in their conference, let alone the best record in the league, that the voters will say, okay, um, no, he's not, he is the best player, but it's not the best team. And a lot of times uh, voters will say, all right, well, Jokic has had his chance to win it. Uh, Andre Kupo's had his chance to win it. Maybe it's Embiid's turn. So um, not to say that he doesn't deserve it on his, on his own merits, but maybe that'll be the thinking and maybe this will be Joel's year because of it. When you look at last year and, and how Jokic wanted as a sixth seed, which hadn't happened in about 20 seasons, uh, like you said, Giannis has a couple, Jokic. Obviously, people feel like this is Joel Embiid's time, but me personally, I just think what he has gone through, and you've seen it firsthand, you know, even having a tough life, not playing the game till he was 14, 15 years old, and, you know, just escalating, 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 and going through everything he went through to get to this point. Um, I think he deserves it. I think what he is doing right now, as I mentioned before, is just unseen. I, I don't 
think you can almost put words to it, you know, to average 33 points a game in the modern day as a center. And like you said, he's taking the ball late in games. He's uh, dribble driving, step back threes. I mean, it's it's almost unfathomable. And, you know, it, to me, it's his time. But unbiased opinion, do, do you think, do you, <laughs> I know it's hard. Is, is this Joel Embiid's award to lose? I mean, it seems like most of the voters are, are leaning his way, but is this his year? Is this his award? Uh, yeah, I mean, you're asking, listen, I'm biased, I, and <laughs> I, won't, I won't deny it. So the answer to your question is yes. And one of the things he does, and Jokic and Anadokupo certainly do this as well, is his ability to make uh, other guys better. We are going to have, in all probability, in our next podcast, George Niang. And there is a guy who will be the first to admit that Embiid, his ability to draw the defense and then find him as a perimeter shooter has clearly helped to make him better. And that, to me, is the essence of defining a guy as an MVP or, at the very least, the star of his team is, does he make other guys better? And it's pretty clear that he does. And really on both ends of the floor. I, I can't imagine the Sixers would be this good defensively without Embiid at the spine of their defense. He does so much, man. I mean, it's just, it's unbelievable what he, the impact he's able to bring to a game, uh, you know, in, in general. Do you, do you think this is the best Embiid? Do you think it can get better? I mean, we, like mm-hmm. I said, a couple of years ago, I, I'd sit there and I think, all right, how does it get better? And then it gets better. Um, it seems like he's in better shape. It seems like he's eating better and, and he has a nutritionist and, you know, he's playing more games. He's longer into the season. And, and obviously we hope that he stays healthy in the playoffs, but what what's the ceiling? You know, where can he go? I think his health will determine that. The one thing that I always think about is the fact that Joel ends up on the floor so much and we love the fact that he plays as hard as he does and he is willing to give his body up. But I think that kind of thing will resonate with a big man more than it will with, say, a guy like Iverson, who, of course, had no regard for his body seemingly on a night-to-night basis. So uh, I would like to see Joel end up on the floor a little bit less. I think that'll help with his longevity. I think it'll help to keep him fresh through the season and uh, hopefully prolong his career and give him even more of an upside, as tough as it might seem to even imagine. Let's hope that he can uh, continue to get better. Yeah, he's unbelievable. And another key part of this Sixers team, uh, we know about James Harden, and obviously I'm rooting for him as well. You know, he's had a a long career and a lot of different teams and stuff. But I want to ask you about Tyrese Maxey because you saw kind of the end of his or the at the end of your career, like the beginning part of Tyrese Maxey. But since then, I mean, he has blossomed and he's I mean, he's a special player um, at times. You know, Sixer fans feel that maybe he could be utilized more and, and he'll have a role going forward. But he's still so young. I mean, he's essentially a kid. And, you know, I, I want to get your thoughts on Tyrese Maxey. And by no means do I want to compare Tyrese to Allen Iverson, because you've watched A.I.'s entire career essentially you're connected with AI when people think about some of the electrifying games moments calls they think about Mark Zumoff but just from maybe a uh like a personality or or the way that he's able to kind of captivate the city like it seems like everybody is enamored with Tyrese Maxey and I guess my question is 
could you see Tyrese blossoming into that next guy? You know, depending on what happens in the next year or two, couple years, it seems like Tyrese could be around for the long haul. Do you think he could blossom into a star in this city, um, you know, as the smaller, undersized point guard, you know, that just kind of can put on a show sometimes? I think in many ways he already has met a lot of what it is that you're talking about. He is in a scorer's role, which I think befits him. I remember when he was a rookie, the Sixers played the Denver Nuggets on a Saturday afternoon and COVID was still very much an issue. And the Sixers were forced to play a game with really only seven healthy players. They were missing their regulars and they dressed eight because that's what you have to do. But I think the eighth guy might've been like Mike Scott. There's no way he could have played. So they dressed him in order to conform to the NBA's mandate. But Maxi was a starter in that game, and the Sixers really had no chance, and Denver won the game rather comfortably. But Maxi had something like 38 points in the game. And I don't care the circumstances. If you have the ability to score 38 points in a game, even a game like that, there's reason to take notice and think that uh, you, you got some game and you have some ability and you're a guy who could blossom into something special. To his credit, he is humble. It is clear that he works very hard on his game. And it's just been a joy to watch someone who is just so likable and plays with such verve to become the kind of player that he is. And the fact that he is able to create his own shot, which is such a valuable thing in the NBA, he becomes an option at the end of the game. So while everybody knows that the pick and roll is going to be employed by the Sixers and it could be Harden or it could be Embiid, you know, you always have that option in Maxi. So um, that's going to be uh, an even more valuable thing or a role for him to embrace, certainly now as we approach playoff time. Yeah, and you talk about that shot creating uh, ability and and the fact that he can go out there on any given night and just kind of like light it up uh, for the fans Mm -hmm. and you know, I think it, it's funny. It came after a time where the Sixers fans dealt with a guy in Ben Simmons that wouldn't shoot the ball. And unfortunately, the Markel Fultz experiment didn't work out. It's almost like Tyrese was the guy. Like, finally, they got that type of player uh, that they wanted. And, and I just love, I think it's his personality on top of it. He's such a likable guy. He works hard. He's first one in the gym, last one out. Um, you could tell he's going to be a special player, you know, and I hope it's in Philadelphia. I mean, he has it, in my opinion. I think he already is a special player. And while Embiid casts a giant shadow, if you have a Sixers team that in the near future, let's say next year, they tear it up in the first half and maybe they have the NBA's best record or at least make a substantial run in the playoffs this year and do that next year. Um, I met the, the fans are going to take notice of Maxi and hopefully vote for him for all-star and if not, certainly the assistant coaches, or I should say the head coaches, the other teams in the East, they know who's good. And no doubt they will vote him as a reserve for the all-star team. I already think that he's worthy of that. Yeah, I agree a hundred percent. And, you know, he's going to be a big part of this playoff run. And, and speaking of which it's amazing timing. Like I said, the Sixers nets kicking off tomorrow. And I know you said you haven't sat down and watched full games, but you know about the team. Let me get us a, a prediction. I, I mean, obviously, you know, we believe the Sixers are going to win the first round series. Um, but you, again, have been through the ups and downs, the whole 
process era. I mean, you've seen everything. Is this finally the year that this Sixers squad can get over the hump? Is this finally the year that, you know, I mean, it looks like they're going to play Boston in the second round and, you know, things could come full circle, but based off what you've seen and what you've known and where Joel Embiid is at and James Harden and Tyrese Maxey, is this finally the team? Do you think this is the roster around Joel that can finally propel them over that barricade that's just been there for a long time? I certainly hope so. You, the Sixers were one of the best teams in the NBA from the All-Star break forward. I think if they didn't have such a slow start to the season, they could have won 70 more games and maybe even had home court for the entire Eastern Conference playoffs, which brings me to my next point. The Sixers, assuming everything goes according to the way people think it's going to go and the uh, higher seeds win that first round, the Sixers are going to have to win road games in Boston, and if they get to the conference finals, they're going to have to win a road game in Milwaukee. It really boils down to that. So everybody just has to take a close look at the roster and say to themselves, is this team good enough in the cauldron of the playoffs to win a road game in Boston and, for that matter, a road game in Milwaukee and you know, I, I mean, I could sit here and say, yeah, I think they do. Or I could say, well, you know what? Those two teams, they're really good. They're tough to beat at home and maybe not. So I, I could go either way. But I mean, come on. The fan in me says, yeah, they're going all the way to the finals. And this is going to be their year. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think um, I think a lot of the Sixer fan base where they're at, at least where I can gauge it is they're pessimistic. But at the same time, you know, there's still that that hunger in there. Like, okay, finally, you know, this is the year. It seems like the Eastern Conference is almost like a three-team race. And they're one in the mix, you know. But, I mean, you have a lot of decisions to make going forward. If, if you don't mm-hmm. get over this goal. And, um, like you said, health is a factor. Who knows how long you have left with any player. And that's the unfortunate case of it. And, um, yeah, I, I think... A lot of people, you know, look at Joel Embiid sometimes as a villain. But if he was to get to the Eastern Conference Finals, if he was to get to the finals, kind of like Giannis did, you know, a couple years ago, I think he would garner more respect. You know, I, I think people would look at him and say, like, the journey has been unbelievable. And, and I think he just needs to get over that hump for himself as well. Winning does that. And yeah. so let's see. I think that. It's no different than a guy who I watched in my era who was incredibly dominant, and that was Will Chamberlain, somebody who was always vilified, especially by fans whose teams had to face the Sixers and and deal with him. He was incredibly dominant. And, um, you know, I think somebody once said, nobody loves Goliath in regards to Wilt. So maybe that's the way, uh, you know, a lot of fans view Embiid. You know, he's this big guy and he's dominant and he's killing your team, meaning fans of other teams. And so it's easy to see why he's vilified. But there isn't a fan among those fans from other teams who wouldn't love to have Embiid on their team. God forbid that should happen, but uh, it's... I remember it was like in the late 70s, uh, uh, a guy like Pete Rose, while he was playing for the Cincinnati Reds, uh, you hated the, the the way he played against your team. But the hustle and the attitude and everything else was something that you begrudgingly admired. And of course, once the Phillies signed him, uh, the Phillies fans, I remember at the time, were overjoyed. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. 
All right, two final questions for you, and obviously one of them being that, you know, we're right near a playoff series. What is the loudest playoff game or, you know, atmosphere mm-hmm. environment that you can remember, um, you know, for your time putting on the headset? What, what was the one that sticks out to you that you keep with you? Actually, that moment came with the headset off because it was the 2001 finals, and that was all network by then. We actually did some games, believe it or not, in the conference finals um, on the old Comcast Sportsnet. But uh, by the finals, of course, the networks had taken over. And you'll recall the Sixers won game one in L.A. of that series. The Lakers came back and they won game two, although some Sixer fans swear that the Sixers could have won that game, too. But the Sixers had done what they had set out to do, which was win at least one in L.A. And, you know, the the the. the Wish of the faithful would be that they would come back and they would sweep and and they would actually become champions. Anyway, uh, Philly was in an uproar. There were flags flying from cars. Literally every other car on the road had these flags. And to to get a ticket to to watch game three was nearly impossible. You had to pay a king's ransom. Anyway, the whole city was stirred to a fever pitch. And the Sixers were being announced by Matt Cord. And when they announced Iverson's name, I'll swear the building shook. I mean, it really felt like there was an earthquake in the tremor because people were going out of their minds. That's the loudest I'd ever heard Wells Fargo Center for any event at any time. That is incredible. I mean, that's what Philly does to you, man. The the passion, yeah. it just it bleeds out. And I always tell people, and sometimes I get looked at crazy eyed, but Sixers games are my favorite to go to. I mean, it's just the, the you know, the PA announcer and, and the just all the antics going on around the stadium. And, you know, you just feel it pumping through you. And there's nothing like it. There's, as you know, firsthand. Mm-hmm. Truth. All right. The last thing I have for you, and, and again, I appreciate you doing this. And, um, you know, I will say for all Sixers fans, on behalf of all of us, uh, we do miss hearing your voice on a consistent basis. And, uh, once again, be sure to check out Fresh 24 with Mark Zumoff as you know you venture into a new uh, concept and content area. And it'll be interesting to kind of see how you bring that wisdom and knowledge. Um, but for somebody that is out there, you know, whether it's me or somebody else that is trying to you know grow and continue to do content and, you know, maybe somebody that wants to be the Sixers play by play announcer one day. Um, what is the one piece of advice from Mark Zumoff that you would give? to somebody with those aspirations, you know, like, did you know from early on that you wanted to be that Sixers announcer? Did you know early on, like, this is what you were destined to do? Did you find that later? Like what, what's your one piece of advice to someone who may be searching for that journey? So just to respond to the other thing you were alluding to, yes, it was always a wish of mine ever since I was, in junior high school growing up in Northeast Philly. And the fact that it actually came true has been a total out-of-body experience. When people say to me, hey, you did the Sixers games for 27 years, it's, it's still something that uh, I find hard to believe. But there, there are many aspects to becoming successful, certainly at anything. And in my business, things like networking and being a good person and working on your skill set and doing your homework and striving for accuracy and uh and all of that is is clearly needed but the one thing i think the one main foundational thing that you need above all else 
is you have to inherently believe in yourself because the competition is fierce, because there is an inordinate amount of rejection. And there are going to be dark moments when you're going to be asking yourself, am I really good enough? Should I be wasting months and maybe even years of my life trying to achieve this dream that seems almost impossible? And when it comes down to it, when you're faced with that, if you don't believe in yourself, then it's hard for you to muster up the energy that you need to go on with that pursuit. And so that's what I would say. The number one thing is you have to inherently believe in yourself and then everything else gets fueled by that. Yeah, absolutely. And it obviously has paid off. You know, you were one of the greatest to do it for such a long time. Um, and it'll be interesting. I, I will say one more follow up question. Where, where do you see yourself going from now? Obviously doing the new show. Um, is this kind of you wanting to cement that legacy a little bit different? Is this more of like a personal thing you want to get into the lives of, you know, the people you're interviewing? You know, what, what's your little twist on that? I always like to ask questions of people. I've constantly had this natural curiosity. There are people who I'll talk to at a party, strangers, people at a dinner table, and most of the conversation is me asking questions. I enjoy uh, finding out about other people. I like people. I'm interested in things I know little, if anything, about. And so I'm constantly asking questions. So now here is an opportunity for me to do that in a forum that's more formalized and hopefully will be rewarding in months and years to come. So that's the genesis of it. And I'm more than happy to make it Sixer-centric because the Sixers are my favorite team from my early childhood until now and beyond. And so it's a great coming together of my natural curiosity and my love for the team that has resulted in Fresh 24. Incredible. Yeah, everybody be sure to check that out. The link will be down below. Mark, thank you for taking the time to do this. Let's hope that the Sixers finally go on that that journey all the way to the finals. And um, yeah, just really appreciate, you know, how you've touched many Sixers fans' lives and um, best of luck with, with the show and everything else. Thanks, RB. And again, if you don't mind some of the boilerplate stuff, please drop a follow to Fresh24 with Mark Zumoff on all the social platforms and kindly subscribe to the show on YouTube, Spotify, Apple, and wherever you get your podcasts, including the one I'm on now, RB, Philly Take. Thanks, brother. You're doing a great job. Keep it up. Thank you, Mark. And be sure to check them out. All right, ladies and gentlemen, that was the one and only Mark Zumoff. Iconic, man iconic i just want to stay on for a few minutes just talk about this series tomorrow um man that was awesome and shout out to mark for doing it um yeah and shout out to everybody out there as well you know that's been a part of this uh journey without you guys nothing like this happens so uh let's continue to go and grow as i always say we got a playoff series man <laughs> we got a playoff series tomorrow uh this is going to be something, man. Sixers and Nets, first round. Can we talk for one second about how this all comes full circle, man? Sixers and Nets, the Ben Simmons thing, the Michael Bridges thing, Seth Curry, Sixers, James Harden, 
Kyrie, Katie, you know what I mean? Like everything comes full circle in life. And here we are. And here we are. One more day, guys, less than 24 hours. As a reminder, we will be live every single game. YouTube, Playback TV, be sure to, you know, check out the app if you haven't yet and you want to watch the games in real time. But, you know, we'll be here on YouTube breaking it all down. The playoff streams are different, man. If you've been here in prior years, you know that. And I'm pumped. I am pumped. We have a playoff preview and prediction out a couple days ago. So be sure to check that out for uh, for all the keys to the series and everything else like that. But, man, shout out to everybody that's that's in here in the chat. We got a lot of people in here. Be sure to hit that like button. And, guys, again, be sure to check out Mark Zumoff's new show, uh, Fresh 24 with Mark Zumoff. I did listen to the, the one episode with J.J. Redick. Um, and, yeah, I mean, he brings a lot of insight and, you know, just a lot of cool stuff behind the scenes, you know, that you, a lot of insight that you pick up from getting to, to hear, you know, from a guy like Mark Zumoff, not with the headset on, on television, but, you know, in this podcast space. I've always been a big believer that um, this content realm is up next. And, you know, that, that's my take on that. Shout out to uh, RJ, channel member in the chat. $2 donation says that was a fire. We need a yes, sir. Let's go, RB. It's funny, man. It's funny because Mark Zumoff, one of his famous calls is the yes. And, you know, ours is, is the yes, sir. Incredible, man. Incredible. Drop it in the chat. Man. Yes, sir. We had to do it. We had to do it. RJ, thank you, my man. Shout out to everybody who, uh, who tuned in and, and supported this show today. And we'll obviously have more guests on going forward. Like I said, there's limitless uh, possibilities with this content, you know. We drop our news videos. We go live during games. We interview people, but we're just getting started, man. We're just getting started. So anyway, with that being said, man, I want your predictions. Drop your predictions in the comments. If you watched my playoff preview prediction or you're following the platform, be sure to uh, follow the platform on all you know social medias. I have the Sixers in five games. I think there will be one Michael masterclass, but I think... The Sixers are going to get it done, hopefully pretty easily. And then they can rest up for round number two as they get ready for the Boston Celtics. Unless the Hawks upset the Celtics, you never know. Could you imagine another series of the Sixers and Hawks? That would be nuts. That would be nuts. But anyway, man, uh, thank you guys so much. If you guys have not yet, please hit that like button as well as it helps push this show out. Let's see, we got uh, Sixers in five, Sixers in five, Sixers in four. Merxy says Sixers in four, Sixers in five. So we're all thinking four or five games. We're all thinking four or five games. I like it. I will say this, if it goes six or seven, the Sixers should be worried. And I talked about this in my preview video, but not only for the rest factor, but if this goes six or seven games, that means something's wrong. Maybe James Harden is, you know, not 100%. I mean, they've been talking about I I haven't really had time to cover all the news and headlines with James Harden and Joel Embiid. Obviously, the MVP thing is heating up, but, you know, James Harden has to be 100%. And he talked today to the media and he said, you know, I feel better. I'm feeling good. He said, I'm going to be more aggressive. I feel a lot better than I was at last year going into the playoffs. So, I'm going to take Harden's word for it. 
and we'll see what it looks like on the screen. But I cannot wait. Guys, this has to be the year. This has to be the opportunity. If you fall short again, changes will likely be made, and we'll talk about all that. But uh, once again, I want to thank everybody for coming through to this. It's been a while since we did an interview, but we got the GOAT, Mark Zumoff. And yeah, appreciate everybody. So that being said, I will go and get ready for tomorrow. 1 p.m. is the game. 1 p.m. Eastern time, let me clarify, because there are a lot of people that tune in from, you know, Australia and Philippines and, you know, Netherlands, all across the world, which is still amazing to me. But, um, yeah, 1 p.m. Eastern time. So if you're in another country, you might have to set the clock earlier, later, depending on the time zone. But 1 p.m. Eastern time, we'll be here a little bit early. So get your coffee, eat your breakfast, and, and get ready for some Sixer playoffs. We're going to kick off the week. We'll be live every game, and we'll be dropping the, uh, the post-game coverage as well. Play in games tonight. You know, if you're interested, watch those. Get ready. Who do you think is going to win? It's going to be an interesting game in the Eastern Conference playing. So we'll see how it all works, man. But shout out to everybody, and I hope you all have a great night, and I'll catch you here very soon. Have a good night, everybody. Peace.